Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we're helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all, or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can go to mynsc.org happenings. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout the week. And now, check out this week's sermon. We are in this series, Wired for Worship. It's, it's a topic that I'm passionate about, that I love. And I'm going to start with a, a quote from one of my favorite Bible teachers, theologians. He wrote a commentary, um, a very modern day. In fact, he just passed away, a, I don't know, a year, a couple of years ago, maybe. His name was Jack Hayford. And just a really true hero of the faith. In fact, for all of you who grew up going to church, do you remember singing that song? Majesty, worship his majesty. Jack Hayford wrote that song, all right? And uh, he said this about, about worship. He said, worship changes the worshiper into the image of that which is being worshiped. Worship changes the worshiper into the image of that which is being worshiped. I'm gonna ask you a question. According to, to, to Jack Hayford's statement here, are you, more of, 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 uh, are, are you reflecting God more today than you've ever reflected God, or are you a reflection of the world? Are you a reflection of culture? Because what you worship is actually what you reflect, that what you worship changes the worshiper into that which is being worshiped. Every single one of us in this room, we are worshipers. You were wired for worship. And in fact, the proof of that is, uh, you know, over, over not, not just decades, but, but centuries, just thousands of years, uh, literally millennia, that, that we can go back and we can look at people who never, never truly understood God and certainly not Jesus Christ. And, and we, could, we could watch or, or look at hieroglyphics or you can go into, into caves and see, uh, you, you know, uh, hand-painted hand uh, uh, figures or... or um, you know, like sun gods or moon gods that people were wired for worship. Like we can go back in history and even when they didn't know about God and didn't know about Jesus, worship was still involved. Did you know that? Like, in fact, a lot of, if you go down to Yaksha, which we just went there a month or two ago, uh, the, the, um, the Mayan people are, are, are there. They, they're still, they still exist, everybody. And they, are, they were steep in, in religion and in, in worship, even though they did not know or worship the one true God. And so every person is wired for worship. The question is, what are you worshiping? And you'll become actually more like what you worship. The, the longer you worship it, the more you reflect what you're worshiping. That's how it works. And so if you're a worshiper of Jesus Christ, then the longer that we worship Jesus, the more we need to look like Jesus. And so to, to share this, we're going to go back to a portion of scripture that we looked at last week in, in um the story of Jesus and the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. And we're going to go back to that scripture and look at a different portion of it this week than we did uh, last week. It's John chapter 4. And there's a portion of scripture here that, that a lot of people don't fully understand. And I'm going to describe it to you. I'm going to break it down for you today in a way that, that is going to make sense. In fact, one of the jobs as a pastor is to take deep theological truths and make them simple for everybody to understand. It, it's kind of like what we say, putting the cookies on the bottom shelf, that everybody gets to have some, right? And so we're going to look at John chapter 4, starting in verse 23. This is Jesus speaking. He says, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. 
The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. Let's pause right there. We said that God is looking for three different groups of people. He actively searches for three different groups of people. The first one is the people that don't know him, those who are lost. And then he's looking for the weak. He searches for the weak, and he shows himself strong to those who are weak. And then he also is looking for the worshiper. And again, if you didn't catch last week's sermon, you can go back with this podcast. It's on our website. It's on our YouTube channel. You can, you can look at that again if you missed it. And God is looking for those who worship in spirit and in truth. Okay, now watch this. And, and he's, he's trying to make a point here that a lot of people don't fully understand. For God is spirit. Okay, st- stop right there. God, a lot of people think of God in a way that they think of him in human form. They think of him as an elderly man with white hair and a big white beard and a white robe, and he's sitting on a throne in heaven, and there's angels everywhere, and there's clouds, and there's, there's this radiance you know, coming off of him. The Bible is very, very clear that God is spirit, that God is spirit, that God is spirit. And he goes on to say, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Okay, so Jesus is making a point here. He's saying, I'm going to tell you something about God, that God is spirit. And because God is spirit, this is how you are to worship him in spirit and in truth. So according to God's nature, this is how you are to worship him. And a lot of people read this portion of scripture and they have no idea what it means. Okay, well, God is spirit, and I need to worship him in spirit and in truth. And then they just keep reading the, the chapter, and then they never put into to practice what this verse is truly saying, and they never really fully understand what it's truly saying. Well, thank the Lord you're in church today because you get to understand it if you don't already, all right? So the first thing I want you to write down, letter A, God is spirit. God is spirit. And then letter B, according to this scripture accordingly because God is spirit we are to worship in spirit and in truth so God is spirit and accordingly we have to worship in spirit and in truth now I'm going to teach you what that looks like let us see that this refers worshiping God in spirit refers to worship that is in keeping with the very nature of God it is worship that is in keeping with the very nature of God God is spirit Jesus is saying God is spirit This is who God is. This is the nature of God. So people who are true worshipers are going to worship according to the very nature of God. Let me break this down for you. That worship is not just words that we we say or songs that we sing, but worship is, is also thoughts and actions. That worship, you've heard it said this way, that worship is a lifestyle. It's not just words. It's just not a song that that we gather together and sing. That worship is actually lifestyle. And the truth of the matter is it really is. But I don't want you to take that so lightheartedly as we've taken it in the past. Because you've heard that if you've been in church, you're like, well, my whole life should be worship. Everything I do is worship to God. Well, that is certainly true. But Jesus is saying God is spirit. Here's the nature, the, 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 the person of God. And those who worship him, who are true worshipers, worship him according to his nature and in truth. And if you're worshiping God according to his nature, it's going to be more than just music. It's going to be thoughts and actions. Okay, so 
It's important then that you know the character, the nature of God. If you're going to worship him in spirit and truth, you have to know who he is. You have to. So if you don't, and that's why it's important for you to study the word of God. It's important for you to get to know who God is. Because the more you know who God is, the better you can worship him in a way that is fitting, in a way that is the best way to actually worship him in spirit and in truth. And so we're going to look at, just for a moment, the character or the nature of God. All right, so who is God? Well, the Bible is very, very clear. And this list that I have for you, these bullet points, they're certainly not exhaustive. This is just a portion of, of the reality of the nature of God, who God is. And so let's just hit these very, very quickly. That First of all, 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. And, and, and by the way, all of these are quotes. They're just quotes. Now, I, I didn't put the entire verse there, but all of these are found in the Bible. God is love. So if I want to worship in spirit and in truth, if worship refers to, if, if, if true worship refers really to worshiping, to worship in, in keeping with the very nature of God, then, I, then every time I show love, I'm actually worshiping him because I'm living out the nature of God. I'm worshiping in spirit. I'm worshiping, I'm worshiping according to his nature. So every time that I show love, I'm worshiping God. In opposition to that is every time I'm filled with hate or filled with, with coarse words towards somebody or bad attitude, that's the opposite of worship to God because it's not living in accordance to his nature. Everybody with me? So every time I live in, in accordance to his nature, I'm actually worshiping him. Well, the Bible says that God is love. So when I'm loving, I'm worshiping God. Let's, let's keep going here. God is light. In him, the Bible says, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. We know this in the Bible, that, that darkness is associated with sin. And when we, when we came to salvation in Christ, the Bible says that we, are, we were brought into the family of God. We are children of God, children of the light, and we are to walk in the light because we are in the light. So, so that is a rejection of sin and a following after Christ and his will for our lives. So every time that you resist temptation and you refuse through the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to resist temptation. I'm not going to sin. I'm going to walk in the light. That is worship to God. You are living in accordance to the nature of God by being a person of the light and not of darkness. Everybody with me? So resisting sin is worship to God. Okay. Uh, God is faithful. I don't know about you, but I've been faithless a few times. Not only in thoughts, not only in actions, but even in, in prayer. Sometimes my faith isn't where it should be, isn't, isn't as high as it should be. That I, Sometimes I have trouble trusting in God. And every single time that I trust in God, every single time that I believe the promises of God, every single time that I choose to be a faithful man of God, that is an act of worship. So every time that I'm, I'm faithful to the things of God, I hold to the things of God, I hold to truth. Every time that, I, that I, I continually throughout the course of my life work out my salvation with fear and trembling because I'm, I'm putting my belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says that that is worship because I'm acting in accordance with the nature of God. God is faithful. God is good. So every, every time I'm good, Every time I do good, every, every time that I choose just to, to be generous or to bless somebody or care for somebody or serve somebody, that is an act of worship. God is true. 
God is true. And all these verses are right there. You can look them up later, but God is true. So every time that I refuse to tell a lie, I'm just going to tell the truth. That is worship to God. Did you know that? I, you know, you've heard me say this about my staff. We certainly said it in my, in my family when we were and still are raising our children. We always have these phrases that when we own up, we, when we mess up, we own up. If, you, if we mess up, we fess up, right? And so have you ever, have you ever known somebody who they, they forgot something? It was something insignificant. They did something wrong. It was no big deal. And then they lied about it. In fact, let me ask you a question. Have you ever done that? Well, of course you have. Because you were embarrassed, right? You were embarrassed that you forgot. You were embarrassed that you messed up. And did you do that? No, no, I, boy, I don't know how that happened. You, you know what I tell my, my children? I, I tell the staff here, hey, when we mess up, we're going to own up. When we mess up, we're going to fess up. And what I've found out in, in life, everybody, is when I tell the truth, even if, even if it's after I messed up, when I tell the truth, respect for me goes up. The others actually respect me more for being honest. But when I lie, when I lie, respect for me goes down. So there are times, it doesn't happen very often, but every now and then, um, I'll get a phone call and they'll say, uh, you know, hey, Pastor Justin, so-and-so's at the church right now. They're waiting for you. You had an appointment with them three minutes ago and you're not there. And, I, and, I, and I'm just, in that moment, I could, and I'm just being honest with you, I am tempted sometimes to say, oh, well, I've been really, and I'll just make up an excuse. That temptation is there. Can I tell you something? I just don't do that. That, that if, I'm, if I'm not where I'm supposed to be, when I'm supposed to be there, this is what I do. I am so sorry. I just forgot. W would you forgive me? And did you know that, Whenever I've done that, respect for that, that person actually respects me more just for being honest. Just for being honest, right? How many are with me? You know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, so every time, even when I'm owning up to a mess up, when I'm fessing up to a mess up, that that's actually honoring God because God is true. And I'm, I'm, I'm living in accordance to his very nature. I'm worshiping in spirit and in truth. So even after I mess up, when I own up and I refuse to tell a lie, that's worship to God. In your mistake, in your mistakes, you can still worship God. Did you know that? Isn't that amazing? What's this? God is forgiving. God's forgiving. Every time you choose to forgive somebody who hurt you, who wounded you, it's worship to God. It's in keeping with his nature. And I know that's a big topic. We'll tackle that down the road. But we need to live lives of forgiveness. We, we can't hold things against other people. After all, God's not holding anything against you. And you've sinned against him. And I have too. But how many know as Christians, he's not holding our sins against us. He delivers us from those things. He sets us free from those things. All glory to his name. These are very similar. God is gracious and God is compassionate. He's gracious. He's compassionate. Every time you show grace, every time you show compassion towards somebody, you're actually worshiping God. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, I was, I was waiting for a cashier, you know, being in line, you're, you're waiting for this cashier and the, the cashier is just not doing very well. Let's just say it like that. Just not doing very well. And the whole time that this is happening, 
You've been there. You've been there. Where you're waiting on somebody, and, and they're just like, you're, you're in a rush. You're trying to go somewhere. You got things to do. You got a to-do list that you're trying to work through. And, and there's just somebody there that's blocking your way, and it's a person that you have to go through. Yeah, I mean, I'm not just going to take my stuff and leave without paying. I, have, I mean, they have to be part of this equation to get me out the door. And this person was just driving me crazy to the point that my frustration, it, 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 it just started turning to anger. And I'm sure that I'm the only one in the room that, that, that has done this, okay? I'm, I'm sure I am because you would never do this. But I was, I was standing there inside. I was boiling mad on the inside. And this is my thought. I just want you to do your job. Why don't you just do your job? You're getting paid to do your job. How many have ever been there? Come on, everybody. You've, you've had the flesh rise up. That was not godly. That was just Justin, okay? And, and as I'm getting mad, and I'm literally thinking these thoughts, how hard is it to scan the items and put them in a bag? How hard is that? And actually, the Holy Spirit, in a very soft way, gets my attention. And I have this thought. I don't know what they went through this morning. I don't know what they went through this week. I don't know what they went through this month or this year. I don't know what this person endured as a child. And, and there's, a lot of, there's a lot of stories about severe abuse that affects a person for the course of their life. And the Holy Spirit just reminded me, you have no idea what's in this person's life and, or in their background. And all of a sudden, I had a decision to make. And I began to pray for that person. And I want to tell you something. It's very hard to be mad at somebody you're praying for. When you pray for somebody, the anger, I'm telling you, the anger just dissolves. And I started praying. I said, Father, this person is obviously broken. They're broken in the inside, and I don't know what happened. And I'm praying that you heal their brokenness. They need you. And all of a sudden, the anger that I was facing turned into grace, and it turned into compassion, and I began to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. I started acting according to the very nature of God. I acted in a way that was in keeping with the nature of God. God is gracious. God is compassionate. And in my anger, I was starting to sin. You're going to get angry, but the Bible says, in your anger, don't sin. Right? You're going to get angry. The question is, are you, going to, are you going to let that anger blossom or are you going to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit who will tell you what to pray and how to pray or how to even think about that person? He'll change the way you think, I promise you that, and I'll show you that here in a second. He'll change the way that you think. And every single time that you show love and you, you walk in the light, you resist temptation and you're faithful and you're truthful and, you, and you're good and you're compassionate and you're kind and you're patient and you're loving with people, every single time that you're doing that, you're worshiping your heavenly father in spirit and in truth. Do you see it? Okay, so this is, this is what I'm talking about, every, everybody, that as a true worshiper, number one, I have to embrace God's nature and apply it. 
I have to embrace his nature and apply it. And again, if you don't know the nature of God, the character of God, you've got to get in his word and discover who he is. Do a study on the nature of God, the character of God. One of the things I was thinking about, God is just. He, I just thought, he's fair. He just does what's right. He doesn't mistreat people. He, he judges fairly. Did you know that when you judge people fairly and when you're just, when, when you just say, hey, this is right and that's wrong and I'm going to do what's right and I'm going to, did you know that that's worship to God? It's worship when you act in accordance with his nature. Okay, so you've got to embrace God's nature and actually apply it to your life. And you say, well, how do I do that? Well, we're going to look at a portion of Scripture. This is in Romans. In fact, if there's any verse of Scripture that I could bring up in, in a moment like this, uh, it, it would have to be Romans 12. But let me give you a background of, of the book of Romans as, as a whole. So the first 11 chapters of Romans, we call those doctrinal, they're just doctrinal statements. If you want to have a firm grip on 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 Christian theology, on, on great, in, in fact, Holy, in Spirit, Holy Spirit inspired, perfectly true doctrine. Read Romans 1 through 11. Because it's just doctrinal statements. It, it shows you who God is, who Jesus is, what Jesus did for you, how to live that out, like all of the benefits of the cross, all of the benefits of the resurrection. It, it talks about sin issues and how to live a life of holiness. I'm telling you, it, 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 it is it is doctrinally beautiful and so rich and so deep, Romans 1 through 11, the first 11 chapters. And then all of a sudden, something happens in chapter 12 where, where Paul puts in a therefore. And, and then the rest of the book of Romans, Romans 12 through 16, those chapters are actually practical statements. So the first 11 chapters are doctrinal statements. The last chapters from 12 to 16 are practical statements. So Paul is saying, hey, listen, here's the truth about God. Here's the truth about Jesus. Here's the truth about you and how to live this life. Here's the truth. Here's doctrine. Here's theology for you. And therefore, knowing all of these things, having studied all of these things, therefore, this is actually how you live it out now. This is how to apply it to your everyday life. So if you don't know much about God, you might want to start in the book of Romans. It's a beautiful place to start. So Paul starts by saying, Romans chapter 12, it's this, it's this therefore statement. He says, therefore, I appeal to you. I appeal to you. That you're going to start living life a different way than you've lived life before. I'm going to give you these practical steps, these practical statements. He says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living Sacrifice. I want you to circle the word living, if you would. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Circle the word spiritual there. So I'm going to break this down to you. Paul is actually giving these statements. He's saying, hey, this is, this is how to present yourself as a living sacrifice to God. This is so very pleasing to God. And in fact, it is your spiritual act of worship. So I'm going to give you some tangible things that you can do, some things that you can actually live out. But actually what's going to happen is there's, there are these non-tangibles attached to it. And those non-tangibles, it's worship to God. It's honoring to God. It's, it's God honoring. 
And, and I want to teach you something about the offerings, the sacrifices in the Bible. Now, if you read through the Old Testament, a lot of people get confused about that. And it's how, back in those days, how God related uh, to man. And he did it through priests, and he did it through sacrifices. And, and uh, we see there are two basic types of sacrifices or offerings in the Old Testament. Now, they're, they're actually more than that, and lots of them have names, and there's reasons for that. But there's two basic types in the Old Testament. Okay. Now, all of these, all of this was a foreshadow of Jesus coming to be the ultimate sacrifice. You need to know that. Aren't you glad we don't have to go outside and kill a goat after church today, right? Aren't, I'm certainly glad because I would be the priest. I would have to do that. I don't want to do that, all right? I mean, I'll take a deer, but I'm not going to take a goat. Okay, so slide that in there. Can I get an amen, somebody? No, okay. okay. So, so there are two different types of, of offerings. The first one is a sin offering. It was a sin offering. And that sin offering was, you know, the, uh, there was a, a sacrificial animal there. It was, had to be perfect, had to be spotless. They would sacrifice this animal. And that was a sin offering. And it was, it was to reconcile man to God. It was, it was made so that man could be reconciled to God. It was a sin offering. But then there was a second basic type, and it would be a burnt offering or a peace offering. And in that peace offering, it would be a, there would be a sacrifice involved, but it wasn't so that we could be reconciled to God. It was in celebration of the fact that we have been made right with God. So there were sin offerings that made us right with God, and then there were peace offerings that celebrated us. And Paul is saying, listen, I want you, you've got to be a living sacrifice, that there has to be this right relationship between you and God. You have to present yourself to God, surrender yourself to God, and put your trust. And he just said this in the first 11 chapters. You have to put your trust in Jesus Christ. Surrender your life to him, and you will be made right with God. And then for the rest of your life, you get to offer a different type of offering. These peace offerings, these celebratory these worship-filled offerings to God as a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual act of worship that you're gonna surrender your life to Christ and you're gonna live a life of gratitude, thankfulness, and worship to the Lord for the rest of your life. And people might be sitting there saying, well, how do we do that? How do I present myself as a living sacrifice to God, and he answers it. In chapter 12, verse two, he says, and this is how you do it. Don't conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. What he's saying is this. If you want to live your life as a living sacrifice, stop reflecting the world. Stop reflecting culture. And we live in an age right now, everybody, and I've never, I'm, I'm 50 years old now, I've never, I've never seen it like it is today. That that verse in scripture, that it says that we'll know that Jesus is coming back soon because people will call good evil and they'll call evil good. And I've never seen it more than I'm seeing it right now. And we are not called to reflect the culture or their way of thinking. In fact, the Bible says, don't be conformed 
to that way of life, to that way of thought, to those actions, to those words, to that mindset. Don't conform to that, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let, let, me, let me fill you in on something. You don't have the power to renew your own mind. You don't. You don't have the power to, remo- to renew your own ma- mind. It has to be a work of the Holy Spirit within us. The Holy Spirit renews our mind. As we live lives of surrender, the Holy Spirit renews our mind. He changes us. And so, so the first one is we embrace God's nature and apply it. The second one is how, I, I've got to be a true worshiper. If I want to do that, I have to allow God to change me. So many people and uh, so many people want the world to change. Well, they need to change and they need to change and they need to change. And they're just pointing the finger at everything that needs to change. Paul would look at you and he'd look at me and say, "Hey, listen, you're pointing your finger at the world, but you need to be changed." Because it's so tempting to conform to the ways of this world, but don't do that. Be transformed. You need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There was somebody in the church a long, long time ago now, and he, he's, he's went to be with Jesus. But he, he, for, for a number of years, pastor, you got to teach the Ten Commandments. This generation needs the Ten Commandments. They need to change. And I never said this to him, but I wanted to. What about you? Because you're, so you're so full of anger about this generation, I think something needs to change in you. Now, I, I, I didn't tell him that because he didn't ask. And I don't think he would have been receptive. <laughs> and it wasn't that he, to tell the truth, he loved God, loved Jesus. He was a man of the word. But can I tell you something? When you live your life trying to change everybody else, God's looking at you saying, but what about you? What about you? And I've just started living my life with a a hands-off mentality. I I figured out I can't change anybody. I just can't. I've wanted to. I've tried to. But I can't. Only God can do that for it to be true change. Here we have Don't conform to the ways of this world, but but you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, this good and pleasing and perfect will. But you have to allow God to change you. Let me show you this, that the original Greek word for the word transformed there in Romans 12 too is the word word metamorpho. It's where we get our word metamorphosis from. And it, it says... It's not about superficial change, so it's not an outward change. It's a change that leads to a new way of living. It's a change that leads to a new way of living. It, it's a drastic, it's, it's a measured change. It's an obvious change. It's not something just on the outside. It's, some, it's a work deep down on the inside that you've been transformed by the renewing of your mind. The person that you used to be, you are no longer because you've been transformed. You used to be a caterpillar, but now you're a butterfly. That's metamorphosis. And, and a, lot of, a lot of people, how many know, if you, if you become a butterfly, you'll never be a caterpillar again. You, you're not, you, you're, you've come out of that. You've been changed. You have a new way of living. And it's not, your way of living now is not to be stomped on. Your way of living is to fly above everybody else. 
You see what I'm saying? Like, you've been changed. You're not the same anymore, and there's no going backwards. You're just going forward by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. You've been changed and are being changed. The Bible says, from glory to glory, from grace to grace. Well, I don't know about you, but there's some things in my life that still need changing. I'm not, I'm not there yet. Like, I have been, I have been transformed but I'm not done growing. I'm not who yet God truly wants me to be. I mean, I am. I'm a follower of Christ. I love Jesus with all of my heart. I'm grateful that I'm saved by grace through faith. I'm so grateful for that. But Justin still tends to show up every now and then instead of the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm saying? Like, Justin shows up too much. Do you show up too much in the way that you handle things, in the way that you speak, in the way that you think, and in the places that you go or what you watch on television? Do you show up a little bit too much in your own life instead of God doing his work in you, through you? I don't know about you, but I'm just convinced there's just a little bit too much Justin in me, and I still need to be changed, continually changed by the power and the grace of God. By the way, the theological term for that is sanctification that we're continually being sanctified by the power of the Holy Spirit and made more and more like Jesus. Because as long as you live in this earth, you'll always battle the flesh. You'll, you'll battle the sinful nature. You'll battle the temptations. They're gonna be there. For those of you who say, boy, you know, as soon as I'm 80, surely, surely these temptations will not be there anymore. They will. You're like, well, thanks for the good news, PJ. I'm really glad about that. I'm just telling you, I, I, I've, I've met with so many people that have come to me and said, Pastor, I just thought at this time in my life, it would, those temptations would just be gone. Well, they're not. Because the devil, he's real. And he wants to take you out. And he'll do anything that he can for as long as he can to keep you from the path that God has for you. And I'm just, I'm telling you that, that Justin's got to change. And I have to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. I have to have a renewed mind. And there's only, there's, there's two things that have to happen in my life to experience the transformation and to continue experiencing the transformation that needs to happen in my life. The, the first one is, in fact, it's number three, that you've got to be honest before God and others. You have to be. Honesty, it has to be there. And you've heard me use this example before, and I'm going to continue to use it because it just, it helps people understand what I'm talking about. That a lot of times we want to make it seem like we have it all together. We, want, we don't want everybody to see what's really happening on the inside of us. We don't want really everybody to see the sins that we struggle with or the addiction that we have or the bad attitude that constantly comes our way or the, the little lies that we throw out there. Every, we don't want people to see that, so we try to cover that, and we put on a mask. Like, don't, don't look at the real me. Look at the me that I want you to see because the real me, I don't, I don't like the real me very much. So I'm just going to hide out behind this mask, and you're not being honest. And, and I see something. Remember what I, what I told you last week, that God is searching for three people, those who are lost, three types of people, those who are lost, those who are weak, and those who worship in spirit and in truth. Well, we find something happening in Genesis chapter 3. This is after Adam and Eve sinned, that, that God is he's searching 
He's searching. And this is what happens in Genesis chapter 3, verse 9. But the Lord God called to the man, Adam, where are you? Now, again, Adam and Eve have already fallen into sin. Sin has already been introduced into the world. They ate of the fruit that they were not supposed to eat of, and they're hiding from God. And God says, where are you? Where are you? Well, Adam was hiding because he didn't want to be found. That only makes sense. How many know you only hide when you don't want to be found? But aren't you glad that God is still searching for people even when they don't want to be found? For all of you who have children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, family members that are running away from God, they're hiding from God, they don't want to be found, I'm telling you, God is still searching for them. Isn't that good news? For the ones who don't want to be found, he's still after them. He's still after them. He's going after them, everybody. He wants, he wants to find them. And in this case, he says, Adam, where are you? And Adam says this. He says, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. I was hiding from you, God, because I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like me. I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. I was hiding from you because I don't want you to see the real me. And the first sacrifice took place because of that. When Adam took off the mask and said, here I am, God. I didn't want to be found because I'm too ashamed. But here's the real me. Then God actually is foreshadowing of Jesus. He clothed Adam with skins. Something had to die. And he clothed Adam and Eve. He didn't stomp them out. He said, I'll take care of it. Some of you have been hiding from God. You're not being honest with him. And you're afraid if you take off the mask that you'll be exposed. And it's so embarrassing. It's so shameful to you. You think God's going to get mad. And I'm telling you, you will not experience breakthrough until you learn to be honest. Let me say it a different way. That honesty, honesty is the trigger. It's the turning point that will produce breakthrough and freedom in your life. Honesty. In fact, the Bible says this way. That's why I worded it in here, that we have to be honest before God and honest before others. It, it, the Bible says it, that we confess our sins one to another so that we can be healed. The Bible says it's good for you to get in front of somebody else and take off the mask and say, this is who I really am, and I'm embarrassed about it. I'm, I'm, I don't want to be this way, but this is who I really am. And the Bible says that you won't be stomped on. If you do it to the right person, you'll actually be lifted up. You'll be encouraged. You'll be strengthened in the faith. You'll actually receive healing when you decide just to take off the mask and say, this is who I really am. And that's why you need to be in a small group, everybody. That's why you need friends, close friends that you can just be real with. Take off the mask and say, this is who I am. And it produces healing. 
And by the way, I'm going to throw this in there. When you take off the mask in front of somebody, it needs to be, it, it cannot be someone of the opposite sex. Don't do that. Because when you are vulnerable in front of somebody of, of the opposite sex, the devil has the, the ability to turn that and to pervert it into something that it's not meant to be. Let me say it. You wanted me to say it really. I'm going to say it how I'm thinking it. When you are most vulnerable, the devil will turn that into a sexual temptation. He will sexualize it. So that's why, men, you need to be face-to-face -face with another man when you take off the mask and say, this is who I really am. Because you don't want to give the devil a foothold in your life. And ladies, you need to do that with ladies. Now, the best person you could ever do that with if you're married is your spouse. So that's, that's the exception to the rule. There are loads of times with Jennifer and I, we've taken off the mask, and then we're mask-free for like three months. And then we get stupid again. And then we try to hide it. And then we have to take it off again. How many know what I'm talking about? It's, it's just a constant, it's a constant work of the Holy Spirit in our life, and you need somebody like that in your life. You need to be honest with God first and then with somebody else. That's why we have a pastoral counselor here. That's why we have staff members here. So we give you, we give you the opportunity to come in and just take off the mask. And the fourth one, if you want to be a worshiper, you got to embrace God's nature and apply it. You have, to, you have to be willing to change. You have to allow change. You have to be honest. And the fourth one is, you have to choose humility. Honesty and humility go hand in hand. If you're going to be honest, it's going to, it's going to force you to be humble. And in your humility, you'll be honest. They just go hand in hand. You cannot have one without the other. And this is what the Bible says. This is what I'm telling you, everybody. James 4.10, when you humble yourselves before the Lord, he doesn't squish you. He doesn't stomp you out. When you humble yourselves before the Lord, he lifts you up. That's what happens. Some of you are not having good days because you haven't humbled yourself before the Lord. You're not having good days because you continue to wear the mask and you haven't been honest before God and honest before others. And today we're going to deal with that. We're going to be honest before the Lord today. So I don't know about you. There's still some things in my life that need to change. There's still some things in my life that just pop up every now and then. I, I hate those things. I don't want those things in my life. And that's proof that I'm a follower of Christ, that it bothers me, that sometimes I, sometimes I have thoughts I shouldn't have, and I say words I shouldn't say, and I do things I shouldn't do, and I get mad at cashiers when I'm not supposed to. You know what I'm saying? It just... I've just learned I, I, I want to live life without a mask on. I just want to be me. One of the highest compliments that I could ever receive, and I, I receive this a lot, Pastor, I'm just refreshed that you're the same guy in the pulpit as you are behind the scenes. And I try to live my life. Like what you see right now is who I am on a, on a Wednesday afternoon at 3 o'clock. It's just who I am. And I'm honest with you, sometimes maybe too honest, I don't know. But I want to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. I want to live my life in keeping with the very nature and character of God because that is true worship. 
It's not just words that we say or sing. It's our thoughts and our actions too. It's our life. I'm going to ask you to stand up with me this morning and let me ask you a question. In all honesty, in all honesty, is there something in your life that just needs to change? Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? Would you be brave enough? And this whole morning, it's been hundreds of people, literally. Is there something in in your life, would you respond like everybody else to this? Is there something in your life that just needs to change? That you, you have been conforming to the ways of this world, but you need to be transformed. You need change in your life. Would you raise your hand and hold it up really high? Yeah, and I'm with you. Me too. Yeah. Okay, you can put your hands down for a second. Because we're going to pray about that in a moment, but I... I want to know something, and and people have responded already this morning. Is there the biggest change that could ever occur in your life is when you surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The biggest transformation that could ever happen in your life is when you truly surrender it to Jesus, when you place your trust in him and call out to him as Savior. If you've never surrendered your life to Christ before, I'm going to give you a chance to do that today. And again, I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out. This is between you and God. You'll go public when you get baptized, but today's not that day. I'm going to ask you, have you surrendered your life to Jesus yet? And if you haven't done that, you're just a prayer away. And I'm going to ask you, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor Justin, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. Before I do anything else, I need to give my life to Jesus. Would you raise your hand? All right, I see it over there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You guys can put down your hands. Thank you. Well, we're gonna we're gonna get that out of the way first. We're gonna deal with that first. Because it's the most important thing. It's the most beautiful thing that could happen in this room when somebody surrenders their life to Christ. And it's some it's not some magic prayer. It's truly a heart of surrender. And it goes something like this. And you can just pray it with me in your heart. However you want to say it to God is okay. God, I am a sinner in need of a savior. I have sinned against you. I've rebelled against you. I've given in to my thoughts and to temptations and actions and words. And I've just done things and said things and thought things that I shouldn't have. And I realize it, that I am a sinner in need of a savior. But Lord, I'm encouraged today because I know that when I confess my sins to you, that you're faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Your word says that whoever comes to you, Jesus, you would never drive away, that every single person who calls upon your name shall be saved from eternal separation from God, that if we just surrender our life to you, we get to be in heaven for all of eternity, and we get to experience the change that we so desperately need in our lives. So today I surrender. I repent of my sins, and Jesus, today I make you the Lord of my life. From this day forward, I will live a life of surrender. I'm all in. There's no going back. So Heavenly Father, I pray that, you, that you'd help me to live a life that I'm supposed to live in Christ Jesus as a child of God. And thank you for accepting me. Thank you for saving me. I'm saved now by grace. 
through faith, not of works. I didn't earn it. I didn't achieve it. I just receive it today. And I do it with a smile on my face. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. Now for the rest of us who just ongoing change, it just needs that, but there are things in our lives that just need to change. Let's open up our hands toward heaven. Heavenly Father, we once again surrender to you and we ask for more of your power, more of your presence, more of your spirit in our lives. Change us from glory to glory, from grace to grace. Change us. Lord, we don't wanna reflect this world. We don't wanna reflect this culture. We want to reflect your son, Jesus. We wanna be a reflection of love and light and faithfulness and goodness and compassion and mercy. We want to reflect who you are. We want to live lives of worshiping in spirit and in truth. So we surrender to you today and we ask for more of you, more of your power, more of your presence, more of your spirit so that we can be who you've called us to be for the glory of your name. That Lord, I speak a blessing over my new song family that your face would shine upon them, that you would be gracious to them, that you would give them every single thing that they need to be an overcomer, that you would give them ears to hear what the Holy Spirit would say as they follow you, as they obey you every single moment of every single day, that we would live our lives for the glory of your name and for the expansion of your kingdom. Father, I declare over this church, over every member, over every family, over all of us corporately, Lord, oh, that you would bless us indeed that you would expand and enlarge our territory. Let your hand be with us and keep us from all harm. Protect us from the evil one, I pray. And I decree it in Jesus' name, amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life. And we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org contact. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones who God is using to make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Thank you for watching. We hope you tune in next week.